You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today is week two of Divine Direction. We've really been talking about diving in. We started last week and really trying to figure out this question. And honestly, in my 15 years of ministry, this question seems to come up just about more than anything else is, what is God's will for my life? If I've said yes to Jesus, I'm trying to follow after God. I'm trying to figure out now, what does God want me to do? What are the decisions that I should make? You know, I've got this option. I could do this. I could have this job or that job, or I could live here. I could live there. Or, you know, how many kids should I have? Or should I marry? this person? Should I break this dating relationship off? All of those things, we all have questions all the time that we bring before God. And so it's a very common thing to try to figure out in the midst of all of those questions and more, God, what is your will? Like, what what should I do? Have you ever felt that way? Just like, look up and God, what am I doing here? Like, help me out. Throw me a bone. What decision should I be making? Which way should I be going? And so we've really been beginning to tackle that question of what does God want from us? How should we make those decisions? And so before we start today, I want to open up with this. And, and I, I think you got to help me out. Everyone's got to participate. I'm going to ask a few questions, and you can raise your hand if you would answer yes to this. I'm just curious. If you had the opportunity to take a new job, maybe doing something pretty similar to what you're doing now, and you got a chance to move to a city that you liked, and it paid about $15,000 more a year, who in here would be like, yeah, I'm in. I would take that opportunity. Anyone? Okay, a couple of you being honest there. See, okay, uh, I'm sorry you should have held out because I was willing to offer more, um, but I'm glad you you took that opportunity. But how about 50,000 more? Now, if I throw a little bit more money, how who's saying now, okay, 50,000, now we're talking, I'm ready to move anyone on that one? Okay, yeah, okay. All right, how about this one? How about for $100,000 more than what you're getting? Oh, people didn't even let me finished the sentence. It was like, I don't even care where we're going. It's like, yeah, where, where are we at? North Dakota? That's fine. Bring the winter on, baby, right? You're like, cha-ching. But it's interesting to see, you know, how those things can happen, those options present. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but isn't it interesting that a lot of times things like that in life happen. You have those opportunities, and you even have to try to figure out and sort those things out and why we want to go and what the motivation is and if we're ready to make the leap of something like that. But it's really important that we understand that the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. So the decisions that you're making right now, and even not, you know, moving to a new city, taking a new job, yeah, those are big, big deals, but many times it's even in the small daily decisions that we make, that those decisions we make will determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. And see, we make our decisions, and if we're honest, the decisions make us. It's really important that we understand that the decisions that we make, they're really a big deal. And sometimes it can feel like, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. The big opportunity comes up or big relational things or how many kids. We're going to have all those really big life-changing moments. But even in the small daily grind of life, the decisions that present themselves, they really do make us in really big ways. So we talked about that there's this really, it's really difficult, especially for the next generations to decide. There's this really tough tension of there's so many options. We talked about like, if you remember, it was just antenna TV and there were like a whole, you know, the Farmer Five, you know what I'm saying? There were just like five channels you could watch and it wasn't a big deal to try to find something on TV. But now with Netflix, it's like, where do you even start, right? You don't even know what to do. There's so many options and really, that's how life has become in our culture. There's so many options. It seems like the path, it just becomes so more 
much more complicated. And how do you make a decision? So it almost becomes now that there's this thing called the illusion of perfection. That would say, instead of making a decision, I, I can't make any decision because if I make a decision, it might be the wrong decision. And then where am I at? And so it becomes this thing of, I'm not going to make any decision. And social media has really messed us up with this because now we're comparing our life with someone's highlight reel, right? We see the highlight reel, what everyone posts on there, and we're just failing, and we're just comparing it to our back scenes, right, behind the scenes. And, and so many times that happens, and maybe we're a little guilty of that sometimes too. I've always appreciated sometimes friends when they post the picture of the mess that's happening in life, right? I remember one time we were doing a Christmas card picture with our family. Our girls were really young. We only had the older two at that time, and we're also trying to get the dog in the picture, and, you know, it was a terrible picture. And the dog's like, you know, trying to get away, or one daughter's like crying, one's pointing at the camera and laughing. That was the picture we used for the Christmas card that year. I mean, it was just like, let's just not even play. Like, this is just going to be some great family picture. Everyone who has kids are like, yep, that's reality. Hang that one up on the wall, right? And it's just, that's how it is. But that's what happens in our culture is we just compare our behind the scenes with everyone's highlight reel. And it becomes paralyzing because we think, how could I possibly do this? You know, everyone's posting their pictures of their perfect body, right, at the beach and, and their vacation. It's their second vacation. Oh, my gosh. And we can't even afford to go to grandma's house. And it's just so not fair, right? And the perfect relationship. And, oh, man, I wish I could have someone who loves me and took care of me like that. Or the meal that they prepare. And they post it on there. And you're comparing it to your Pinterest fail. And you're like, man, anyone seen that cooking show where they do all the mess ups where people try to, like, bake something like a cake that looks good? And it's just like a total. That is, just, that is like chicken soup to the soul, right? Because, you know, just like if I tried to do that, my cake wouldn't even look that good. It is just it would just be a total mess. So thank, thankfully, someone's actually doing some true reality television. It's, it's just a total fail, but we do it all the time. And so what happens is that we're trying to seek God's perfect will for our life, but what happens is we're afraid of imperfect decisions. Sometimes we can just become paralyzed and not making any decision because we're afraid we're going to make the wrong decision. And so I think somewhere along the way that this, this myth or this lie really came along that once we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, that God will just answer all of our questions and he'll make everything clear, everything perfect. There'll be no hardship. The path will be easy. There'll be no resistance. There'll be no failure. But honestly, that's not the truth at all. And if you've lived life at all, you know that's not the truth, that God doesn't always just open up and make everything perfect. And I know even myself, when I was a young Christian, a young believer, in my, young in my faith, I just really believed that God was just going to, you know, split the heaven and just make all the paths. It was like, oh, this is easy. You go this way. And God say, okay, like almost like God's like this divine GPS that's just like telling you what to do. And, you know, even pops up like Google Maps telling you, hey, there's, there's some construction up there. You might want to go the other way. Can I just take a moment and have a confession with this whole Google Maps thing? I remember years ago when they started coming up with the traffic and it would tell you like, hey, there's an accident up ahead, you might want to take the exit. I never believed it. I was like, how could it possibly know this? And so I'd be like, Psh. it's like, hey, this will save you 20 minutes. Do you want to take this exit? I'm like, no, Google, you don't know what you're talking about. And so I'd stay in there and just inevitably and sit in traffic the whole time. It's like, Google was right. And so I've learned to trust it, to trust that. But many times we want God to do that for us in our lives, to think that there'll be no struggles, that there'll be no difficulties, but that's not exactly how it works. And I know even growing up in my faith where I trusted God to do that, I had to learn that sometimes it doesn't always work that way. And sometimes even when we follow God, life can become incredibly difficult. There's this guy named Paul 
in the Bible, and he was, he's kind of a big deal. He probably wouldn't say that about himself, but he's, he's a big deal. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, a lot of the scriptures that we read. Paul actually wrote those. He started a lot of churches, um, did a lot of really, really difficult things, and, and Paul knew the details, and I would imagine he spent a lot of time with God to be able to do what he did. I mean, he must have had a really tight relationship, must have been very close to him, but it's really interesting when we take a look at his life and see how he made his decisions that we see that maybe it's a little bit different than what we thought. So in 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul says. He says, perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because we, because a great door for effective work has opened up to me and there are many who oppose me. Isn't it interesting when you read this and you would think Paul being directed by God to do all the incredible things that he did would probably be able to make some pretty, you know, stronger statements on what God told him. But did you love, he's like, perhaps, not like God said do this, but perhaps and maybe we'll be here for a while or maybe even a little bit longer, but wherever I go, not even knowing sure what I'm going to do and, and I hope to stay if the Lord permits. And it's a total different picture that many times in my head of what I thought God would direct me as we're seeking divine direction. You see here that Paul's having to make some decisions. He doesn't have it quite all figured out. He doesn't know exactly what God wants from him. And as we took a look in the series we started last week is we're trying to figure out what God wants from us. We have to ask ourselves these questions and understand this, that God is more concerned with who we are and who we are becoming than what it is that we do. Far beyond what God wants from us or even how we live our lives, God is more concerned on who we are as a Christ follower that we're trying to become like him, that we're living a life that is pleasing to God. And he is also far more concerned with the why we're doing something than what we are doing. So what is our motive? Why are we making the decisions that we're making? What is, if we truly inspected our heart, why are we doing these things? Why are we wanting to make these decisions? And God's far more concerned with why we're doing it than what exactly we are are doing. And many times we have to check our heart. I don't know if you know of a comedian named John Christ. If you've been on social media at all on the internet, you've probably seen some of his videos. Really funny guy, posts a lot of really great things. And so John um, has this video where he talks about um, Christians who have all these reasons and answers for being able to share no. And that's one of John's famous statements is you got to check your heart. You got to check your heart. And so I have this video I wanted you to see real quick um, from John. So check it out. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. No thanks, I'm good, I'll pass. One of my personal favorites, for sure no. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you got saved, you got eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and access to a whole long list of ways to say no that'll make you sound like way more spiritual of a person than you actually are. I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. I'm feeling led in a different direction. Let me talk to my pastor about that. It's a closed door. I'm waiting on the Lord right now. I just don't feel peace about it right now. God has a different assignment for me. I just didn't feel prompted. I just don't feel like that's something that Jesus would do. But I just feel like I'm not in that season anymore. Can you help me move this weekend? Normally I would, but I just feel like God is just telling me to rest right now. I just got a sense that it didn't line up. Right now I'm in a season of new wineskins. What does that even mean? I just feel like right now I'm in a season of creating margin and I just don't have the bandwidth. Are you even speaking English right now? I was just asking if you wanted to get a pizza. Prompting. How many times have I told you about the prompting? I'm not feeling the prompting. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling the spirits leading on this one. Mm, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me lay out a fleece on that one. <laughs> Okay, I don't think anyone says that. And of course, everybody's all-time favorite, 
Let me pray about it. All I'm saying is when it comes to Christian ways of saying no, just say no. Okay, ways to say no. So I don't know if you are guilty of using any of those. I could probably raise my hand on that, that I, I've, I have been guilty of maybe using those a time or two before. But many times what's really funny is we're trying to figure out God's will. Many times those are the things or the phrases that we might use in figuring out, God, what do you want me to do? And we're waiting for him to do those things like open the door, to make the path straight, to do all of those things in our lives. And so many times it becomes this tension of, God, tell me what to do. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. There have been times in my life Life. We're facing a decision, and it just seems so difficult. Didn't know what option to choose, and I just want to say, God, will you just simply tell me what to do? But instead of God telling us what to do, I truly believe that he wants to give us the wisdom to be able to decide. And you see the difference between the being able to say, God, just, just tell me what to do. Just tell me A or B. What do I do? And God's saying, no, he's not always going to tell you A or B, but he will give you the wisdom to be able to make that choice and decide. There's a guy named Solomon in the Bible, King Solomon. Solomon, and you might have heard that name before. He was kind of a big deal, and he did a lot of amazing things for God. And so when he became king, he had to do something where he had to make an animal sacrifice. This is how they praise God. Aren't you thankful that we're not in that era anymore? It's like, everyone come to tree line. We're now going to sacrifice the animal. No, we just sing songs and praise to God. I'm thankful that we live on this side of the New Testament. But that's what they would do. They would actually do that to bring praise to God. It was like an offering that we would give. And so Solomon's like, you know what? I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to stop there. And it said that he actually did a thousand burnt offerings offerings. I feel bad for the cattle or whatever it was that he had, but a thousand burnt offerings. And God was so moved by his extravagant generosity. And honestly, God is still moved today by extravagant generosity. And so God said, tell me what you want. What do you want from me? And I, I will give it to you. And so here's what he didn't do. Solomon wasn't like, hey, give me all of the wealth. You know, I want long life, riches, honor. Hey, how about death to all my enemies? That, that's not what Solomon asked for. You know what it was that he asked God for? He simply asked God for wisdom. He asked God for wisdom to be able to lead as a king with wisdom, to make wise choices. And God was so moved by his offering and so moved by his heart and his motive to ask for wisdom that God said, you know what? Not only am I going to give you wisdom, yes, I'm going to grant that to you because you asked me, but all that other stuff that you didn't ask, guess what? That's going to get thrown into the deal too because God was so moved by his act of extravagant generosity. And I truly believe that even today God is moved by our acts of generosity and he's still continuing to do those things in our lives. But take a look at what Solomon said in Proverbs 4. He said, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever, you, whatever else you do, develop good judgment. See, getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And so Solomon had this figured out that he knew that just, it wasn't just about asking God for the stuff or the things or the great blessings in life, but what an incredible prayer, what a great ask to say, God, you know what? I need wisdom. And if you've lived life for any length, you've probably figured out that, you know, all of those things, all the blessings, all the riches, all the great things that God can do for us in our life, those, those are great. But how many times have we said this? If I knew then what I know now, and see, that's wisdom speaking. And there's so many times where we've said those things because we need wisdom in our life. So as we take a look at this wisdom and how we get this wisdom, we're going to take a look at three different things in taking directional wisdom and making these steps towards divine direction and figuring out how God wants us to live our lives. So the first one is to walk. 
The first one is to simply walk, that we've got to spend time walking and talking with God, that we've got to walk out our faith. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So here we can figure out really quick that it's really important for us that if we want to have wisdom, that we've got to walk with wise people. Because if you don't, a companion of fools suffers harm. And I don't know if you figured this out in life, but many times it becomes about the people that we hang around with, the people that we allow to influence us. And I love that he says a companion of fools suffers harm because it really, so many times as I look back in my life, the things, the decisions that I've regretted, many times it was like that group think thing, right? You're like all together and it's like, what were we thinking? Like nothing ever good happens with three guys in the front of a pickup truck. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I look back and just nothing, nothing ever good when we just load up in the front bench seat of the pickup truck, nothing ever good was going to come from that moment on because it just was a terrible idea and we make poor decisions because we were probably a companion of fools. But see, with the people that we hang around and those that we do life with absolutely make a big impact on us. Matter of fact, in my 15 years of doing ministry and, and especially working with teenagers and students, there would be many of them who would be like, you know, Brian had made a decision for God. They'd be so excited, fired up to be following Jesus and living for God. And then they'd be really fresh frustrated because they're like, I'm, I'm trying to do the right things, and I, I want to live a life for God, but I just, I keep getting caught up in all these things and getting in trouble and, and doing things that, you know, the, the, these sin patterns and things that I'm trying to overcome in my life, and I just seem to be making the wrong decision over and over and over again and see, can't get on the right path. And so I learned really quickly, one of the first questions to ask was, who is it that you're hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? How many of the people that you surround yourself are trying to follow after God? How many of them are trying to make godly decisions? Not, not perfect people, but people who are trying to follow after God. And it'll always be like this light bulb moment of, oh, aha, well, like nobody. There's nobody in my friend circles that are trying to do that. And many times it'd be tough decisions, tough conversations of, might be time to get some new friend circles. It might be time to find some other people in our lives who are influencing us. And one of the things that we would tell them all the time, and some of the people that are here today that grew up in the student ministry that I led, they, they, they could probably recite this right now. We would say this all the time. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It's such a true statement. Not something that I made up, but I heard that. I'm like, man, that is so true that many times when we see people in our lives, and you can tell the track, the path that someone's on based upon the people that they surround themselves with in their lives because it's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. The people that we surround ourselves with, it is so important that we spend time walking with them, that we find people that have wisdom. See, if we want to grow in wisdom, make wise decisions, find that wise direction, we've got to walk with the wise. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not like, hey, I met with someone wise and now I'm good the rest of my life. No, it doesn't work that way. It would be great if it did, but we've got to walk with the wise. We've got to spend time with them. This is why we are so excited about small groups getting started at Treeline, because we really believe that life is better, so much better in circles than it is in rows. And while we love coming in here and being able to worship together and sharing a word with you, 
It's so important to be able to do life with other people, other men and women who are trying to follow after God. We need to be in group with people so that we can understand that sometimes I'm not going to have all the answers. And even as a pastor, like I said, I don't have a cape. I'm not some super Christian. I don't have this all figured out. I need that time where I sit together in a group. Matter of fact, there's a group that I started with this year who I meet with once a month. We get together three times a year from all over the country. There's eight of them. We're a small group of pastors because I need people who are giving me wisdom and how to lead and how to be a good father in ministry and how to be a good husband. I need that wisdom that they collectively bring to the table. And it's so important that we do that together as a church and as a community, that we have people that we're surrounding ourselves with, that we're getting wisdom from them. It's why it's, we want to be able to start a student ministry. We're a brand new church and we have so many dreams that God's placed inside of us, but we truly believe that God has called us and created us as a church so that we can see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. And we believe that happens when we begin to get together and we get students together because here's what I know is true. This generation has more access to more knowledge than ever before at any time in history. Matter of fact, you know this is true because now you can be the YouTube mechanic, right? You can be the Google electrician, right? You can learn, you can figure everything out online. There's so many, matter of fact, I'm sure doctors are so sick of everyone diagnosing themselves on WebMD before they come in, right? I've had some conversations from doctors that are like, what articles were you reading? How do you even know those terms? You know, it's like, I think I have something, something-itis. They're like, you know, that's not even a real disease anymore that, you know, died out a million years ago. But, you know, we, we do that. We can have access to everything. And this generation has more access to more knowledge than ever before in any time in history. But you know what the issue is? You know what they're finding out as they discover this and they study the next generation? Is that while we have access to more knowledge than ever before, there's a total lack in understanding how to apply wisdom to the knowledge. See, there's a big difference between having all the knowledge and all the answers in front of you and having someone who's lived a little bit of life and having the wisdom and helping you be able to apply that knowledge to your life. We've got to walk with the wise. We've got to have those people around us. It's impossible to live a right life without the right people in our lives. If you want to make better decisions, hang out with wiser people. I'm always trying to find rooms to get into where I am not the wisest person, which isn't really hard for me, but it's something that I try to do. I want to get around people who are wiser, who've lived a little much longer life than me. I've been able to connect with some pastors since we've been back here the last year and a half in the Pittsburgh region who've been at this a long time. Some of them pastoring 20, 25, 30 years, or even some that are just a couple years ahead of me. And I can't tell you what it's meant for me in my life and my family and my ministry to be able to sit with them and just have them just share, pour out wisdom. It's unbelievable and it's something that we've got to do. We've got to walk with the wise. The second one is to ask. So we've got to walk it out. We've got to walk with the wise. And the second one, this one doesn't seem so bad, right? We simply have to ask. Text, check, check a look at what it says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, and that would be me, I would have raised my hand. Any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Don't you love that? That if you want wisdom, if you're like trying to figure out what decision to make, just simply go to God and be like, God, could you just give me wisdom? Could you open my eyes to this? Could you help me learn the decisions to make? And God will absolutely 
absolutely give you wisdom. Some of us need to write down this verse and just begin to pray through it every single day. God, would you give me wisdom? You said in the book of James that you wouldn't, you wouldn't even find fault in me. You wouldn't be like, oh, you can't handle wisdom. What do you think? No, God will just give us wisdom. It will be given to you. We've got to ask God for wisdom. You know, as I parent, and I have three girls, I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old, right? And at this point in their life, I'd like to think that I probably know more than them, right? I mean, it's, it's a fair assessment. Sometimes more and more I'm, I'm thinking I'm not sure because even the 2-year-old's starting to impress me. Um, but, you know, I'd like to think that way. And if you have kids, you've, you've probably felt that way too, that, you know, I've lived a little more life, I've got a little more wisdom, that I, I probably know more than my 10-year-old at this point. And honestly, when your children are young, it's true. Like, right, you're, you're like their hero. It's like, oh, my gosh, Dad, how do you know all that? You know, I'm like the walking wikipedia you know we're watching something on tv and i'm just like throwing out facts and like oh mm, yeah see right you, you know more than your kids but something happens the older that they get and especially when they become teenagers like you don't know anything right you know what i mean you went from like hero and you've got all the answers to like you know nothing like i don't even you're like what are you talking about you just don't get it and i, I don't have teenagers yet but doing student ministry for so long i've definitely seen this and i, I feel for parents because they'd be like brian i've been trying to tell my kid for like six months that this was the answer and something they needed to do, you mentioned it one time in a message, and they're like, oh, Brian said this, and it's the best idea ever, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced that, and I felt so bad, because I'm like, I'm not trying to, like, show you, but I don't know what it is that that would happen, that it's just, you go through that, right? And your kids go from, you know, everything to, you know, nothing, and then as they get older and become young adults, and it's like, hey, you might have actually knew something, and then something happens, it's like, you turn into your parents, and they're like, what just happened? Like, I don't know what's happening, you know, and it's just so true that we go through those cycles, and that we have wisdom because we've lived a little more life and that's what happens but people know because they've probably lived a little bit longer and they've got some wisdom they've got some experience but we've got to ask God for wisdom see to get wisdom you've got to spend time with God to get wisdom, you've got to spend time with God. That you've got to spend time, we talked about small groups, being around other people, but you've got to spend time with God in prayer. You've got to spend time reading God's word. And honestly, I'm so thankful in this day and age, it is easier now than ever before to spend time with God. If you have a, a phone, a tablet, a computer, the Bible app makes it so incredibly easy to be able to just spend time with God. That you can find reading plans on there. I encourage you, if you don't have that, to get the Bible app. If you have questions about that, hit me up. I'd love to show you some tools that you can put in place to be able to spend time with God. In Psalms, it says this, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. See, when we ask God for wisdom, it's not always that God is going to give us the answers that we're looking for, but many times he will guide us in the pathway. He will guide us along. He might not always give you the answer and say, Brian, this is what I want you to do. Here's the clear choice, but he will guide you for the best pathway and he will advise us. Not always give us the answers, but he will advise us. See, many times it's like teaching a kid to do something, like teaching a kid to ride a bike. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before, trying to teach someone to ride a bike, because if you know how to ride a bike, how do you explain that to a kid? It's just like, you just get yourself on there and you balance. Like, how do you even describe learning how to balance? You can't. It's just something that they're going to have to learn for themselves. But you get the kid on the bike, maybe they start from the training wheels, and you take those training wheels off, and it's like, oh, baby, here we go. And I remember this experience, you know, being behind my, behind my girls 
and teaching them to ride. And maybe you've done that before where you've tried to show someone how to ride a bike and they're trying to figure out that balance thing and they're just falling all over, you know, falling to the side, you know, falling off, falling into the road, running into a tree in a mailbox, right? And you just got to come alongside them. You got to guide them in their process. And this is what happens, the same thing that God does in our lives. That many times God's like, you just got to figure this out. I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to guide you, right? If you're guiding your kid on your bike, you're not just going to let them steer the thing out into traffic and get run over. Well, guess I didn't learn how to balance. Well, just go make another one, right? No, that's not, that's not what we do, right? And God's not going to do the same thing for us. God's going to guide us. He's going to come alongside of us. He'll be in step with us. He's going to show us. He's going to teach us. He'll be there as we take those training wheels off. God will guide us with wisdom. And the final step that we've got to make is to decide. We've got to decide. Any Karate Kid fans in here? Anyone watch the Karate Kid movies, right? Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2, Karate Kid 1. I mean, come on, that's, that's, that was the jam. I mean, that, that's where it was at. I mean, it just, Ralph Macchio, I mean, who didn't want to be him? Every girl wanted to date him. Every guy wanted to be him. I mean, Karate Kid, doing the crane, the whole thing, right? Come on, we're all about Karate Kid. And, and Mr. Miyagi, I mean, he just had the most incredible wisdom, right? They could just even make a book on the sayings of Miyagi, right? Just incredible things. And so one time he's telling Daniel, he says, Daniel, son, must talk. Walk on road, right? Walk on right side, safe. Walk on left side, safe. Walk in the middle, whack, squish like grape, right? That's what Mr. Miyagi says. He's telling that. And it's true. You've got to make a decision. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, walk on the left side. Hey, you're good. Walk on the right side. You're good. Walk in the middle. Uh, not so great. Not a great decision. And we've got to do the same thing. We've got to make a decision. We've got to decide. We've got to make the choice. We've got to make the call. And many times it becomes, well, how do I know? How do I know if this is God or, or if this is me trying to do this? And I'm just, you know, being selfish or doing the wrong thing. Or, or maybe it's the devil trying to trick me. And I'm just not sure what to do. Have you ever felt paralyzed and not know? But here's what I want you to get and understand today. And this is what this all rests on, the message. If there is no moral command. If God isn't saying, hey, yes, I want you to do this, or no, I don't you want you to do that. If there is no moral command, then God gives you the wisdom to choose, and he loves and trusts you to be able to decide and make a decision. And this is where we get caught up sometimes. We have to try to figure out what that is, but simply just making wisdom. God, I'm walking with wise people. People are giving me great counsel. God, I've been asking you for wisdom. I've been asking you to help me guide me in this. And now I've simply got to make the decision. And don't you love this, that even as Paul was trying to figure out, Paul wasn't like, the Lord spoketh unto me, and he saideth, goeth over here, because God only speaks in old English. I don't know if you knew that before. But no, that's not what happens at all. Take a look at Paul one more time in 1 Thessalonians, once again, talking about decisions that have to be made. This is what Paul said. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. You see that? That Paul is making a decision. It wasn't, so when we could stand it no longer, we saw God and he was like, God said, do this. And sometimes God does give you direction, but when you don't, just like Paul, you've got to do, we thought it best. He used his wisdom, the godly wisdom that God gave him. And so what happens so many times, and I don't know if you've ever felt this tension before, but it just feels like, what if I make a mistake? What if I mess up? What if, I, what if I spend the time and seek that wise counsel? What happens if I, I, if I you know, ask God for wisdom? And what if God doesn't really give me any clear direction? I'm left with that choice. What do I do? What if I make a mistake? Well, are you ready for this? Making mistakes is where wisdom comes from. 
When we talk about people who've been a little further along the path from us, why do you think they have that wisdom? Because they made the right choice every single time? No. Some of the greatest wisdom that we have to give to others and the greatest wisdom that someone has given to us is because they feel the pain of making the wrong decision. And that's where wisdom comes from. Sometimes you may make the wrong decision. You might make the mistake, but that's where that wisdom comes from. It may look like an extra bill in the mail, right? Sometimes that happens. It might look like an extra semester in school. It might look like an extra kid. I mean, I don't know. It just things happen. That's where wisdom comes from, from making the mistake. But what we've got to understand that God is with me that God is with you, and that even if you make the wrong decision, even if you don't get it right, that he will guide you and make your path straight. Even if like, you're like on that kid on that bike trying to get it right and find that balance and you veer off and you fall off or face plant into the mailbox, God is still there with you, picking you up off the ground, putting you back on there, cheering you on. You've got this. You can do this. This is where wisdom comes from. Don't be afraid to make the decision to seek God, to ask him for the wisdom. You know, as I look back in my life and I shared last week some of the decisions that in my life that I just was so desperate to hear from God. And even this week, thinking about all the things and all the places that God has called us. And we started and talked out and joked about, hey, for this much money, would you be willing to move to another city? And I've had that happen before where I was out of college and had my first job opportunity and interview on the phone and they made the offer to me. And they like, thank God it was a phone interview because they like threw out the offer and my eyes got this big. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually gonna, you know, have a job and get paid. I was just like, it was just so, such an incredible feeling to have that moment and moved to another city. We actually moved to Memphis where my, my wife was finishing up grad school. Um, not my wife at that time, fiance at that time finishing up grad school. And we moved there, got married and moved there. And it was a great opportunity. And then we just began just following after God and living for him and seeking God and, and really figuring out this divine direction, what that looked like for us as a married couple, what that looked like for us as a family. And so we ended up uh, moving to Indiana where my wife is from and we lived there for 11 years, was a part of an incredible church, very much like this. It was a church plant, brand new church. We came on the first year. Um, we were there for 10 years leading a student ministry, incredible people. It was just so amazing to see what God was doing. Matter of fact, some of the people um, are here, uh, part of this group, part of this team, they were there. I knew them since they were like 12 years old. Uh, it's just incredible to see what God has done. God was just so faithful. But then we were faced with this decision, knowing God had called us to something else. And it began to be like, God, well, God put it in our heart to start a church and to really have it focused on the next generation and, and to see family trees changed by this lifelong relationship with Jesus. And so then we're presented with this challenge of God, where, where are we going to go? Where are we, we going to move? What city are you going to lead us to? And we had our ideas and we had our thoughts and we, we used wisdom. We researched, we looked at different places. There are church planning organizations that are like, hey, here's a city that really needs a church. Or here's, you know, looking at all the demographics, studying everything for the city, trying to figure out where is it that you're calling us? God, one time we were at Cracker Barrel and we got one of those Cracker Barrel maps. You know what I'm talking about? That has like, we're all the Cracker Barrel. Because who does that? Who's like, let me get my Cracker Barrel map app and see we're going to stop out for dinner. No one does that, but they have them. And so we had that out on the table, which made us eat Cracker Barrel all the time. But that's beside the point. We began to seek God and say, God, where is it? Which Cracker Barrel are you calling us to be next to, Lord? Where is it? <laughs> Need Uncle, Uncle Herschel's favorite, Lord, right now. Um, Cracker Barrel jokes. None of this is in the notes. Um, and just we begin to seek God. Where is it, Lord, that you're calling us? Where do you want us to be? And see, I grew up here. I'm from Pittsburgh. And 
honestly, we really hadn't considered this is where God had called us to be. But as we begin to lay that out and over years begin to pray for that and begin to knock on the doors and seek that divine direction, ask for the wisdom, God, where are you wanting to lead us? Where are you wanting to go? We felt God begin to open up that door and he didn't just leave the decision up to us. We felt so clearly that God gave us that moral command and it was like, Pittsburgh, this is where we're calling you to be. So we had a really difficult decision to take and make this leap of faith as we were in a really great season of our life, surrounded by family and friends that loved us. Kids were in great schools, working a great job. My wife was working a great job, both working full time, a lot of stability. And we had to make this decision now to make a leap of faith and make a move to a city, not for a greater salary package. Matter of fact, we kind of went the other way. Moved from two full-time jobs to one job that I'm working in. It's church planting job, which I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of risk in church planting. It's not a certain thing. It's not a done deal. It's not like you show up and it's like, oh, and here's this great salary. No, we've had to go out and ask and raise every penny over the last year and a half. But why would we do that? Why would we make that decision? Because it's not always about more money. And sometimes like that's happened to me where I've had that opportunity and God's blessed us and we were able to do that and move up in life. But there's been times like this where because of the love that we have for God, because when we recognize what he's done for me, what he's done for my family, and the hardship that we have been through, and the pain that we have been through, and the difficulties that we have seen, when you understand what it's to grow up as a teen and as a kid and just be so desperate for God to show up in your life, God began to do something in us. And it was like, we can't just sit on this, but God stirred in our heart to be able to go and create a church, to be able to start a church that would then be able to do the same thing for others, to take that risk, to take that leap of faith and saying, God, there are so many people who are far from you. There are so many who need to hear that there's a God who created them, that loves them, that wants relationship with them, who wants them to find freedom in this life. God, that there are so many kids, there are so many teens, there are so many children, so many families in our communities who are growing up not experiencing the love of God. And so we took that leap of faith. We came here and we started this because we believe that we don't have all the answers, but we serve a God who does and who loves. He loves Pittsburgh. And he loves these families and he loves these teens and he loves these kids and he loves you. And so we were willing to take that risk. We were willing to take that step of faith. You see, sometimes it's not always about taking the step that makes the most sense. Sometimes it's simply being obedient to God. But many times God might not give you a direct call. And there's been so many times in our lives where God didn't give us a clear yes or no. It was just, I'm gonna give you wisdom. Brian, I'm going to guide you like you're on this bike. And you might feel like you're going to fall, but I'm going to be there to pick you back up. That we've got to walk daily. We've got to find wise people to get around. That we've got to ask God for that wisdom. God, can you please give me wisdom? I'm not sure what to do. And then we've got to be able to make those decisions and decide. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? If you're here today and you're saying, man, that... That's me. I, I need, I need wisdom. While no one's looking around, would you just slip your hand up and say, Brian, just pray for me today. I need that wisdom. I see those hands. Awesome. Awesome. All over the room. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you are a good God, a loving God, that you are a loving Father. 
And that God, when we say yes to a relationship with you, your word says that we become like an adopted son and daughter. And that means you are our father and you love us and that you are for us. And that we can't earn your love. It's not about who we are or what we've done. It's because we are your child. And so God, I pray today that as we are reminded in the book of James that we can ask you for wisdom, God, that you would truly give us wisdom. God, that you would guide us and guide that path, Lord. And Lord, that you would help us to make decisions to get around people who are wise, to seek out those relationships, to be in a small group, to find those other couples, find the people who are a little further down the path and get around them and seek that wisdom. God, would you help us make wise decisions? Would you give us that wisdom? And God, I even pray today that you would break off that fear, Father God, of making imperfect decisions, God, that that would be broken in our lives and that we would trust you and even know that if we do our best to make the wise decision and we make a mistake, God, that your grace is big enough to handle the mistake, that you will still be there cheering us on, guiding us, putting us back on our feet, making that path straight. God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. And today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to give you the opportunity to make the wisest decision you could ever make, and that's to make a decision to give your life, to surrender your life to Jesus. See, the Bible makes it so clear. The Word of God says that all of us have fallen short. None of us have lived up to the standard that God has set for us. It says that we have all sinned. Basically, we haven't lived up to the standard that God has created for us, and so all of us are in need of a Savior. We need saved. It's not about being good enough. It's not about having your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds or just doing all the right things. It's simply understanding that there is a God who loves you and wants nothing more to have relationship with you. And so if that's you today and you want to say, man, I'm I'm just not sure. Maybe, God, you just feel that prompting in your heart today. And God's just saying, it's time that he loves you, that he created you, that he has a plan for your life. But you've got to start by making that wise decision to surrender your life to him. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Brian, at one point I said that prayer. I made that decision, but I'm just not so sure anymore where I stand. I, I, I just walked away. Life got harder. I made some decisions and they, they just fell flat. And I'm like, man, how could God allow this to happen to me? Or maybe life just began to get busy and you just didn't have the time. You didn't make the space. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. That today, just like the sign said when you walked in the door this morning, said, welcome home, that there is a God with arms wide open saying, welcome home, my child. He doesn't hold your past against you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It certainly doesn't matter if you feel that you deserve it because none of us deserve it. It's simply because of the goodness of who he is. And so if that's you today, if either one of those you want to say for the first time or you want to recommit your life to him, I'm going to ask you while no one's looking around to just slip your heart. Maybe you feel that prompting in your heart right now. Just slip your hand up right now if that's you. Awesome. See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. Awesome. Anyone else? See those hands. See those hands. Awesome. You can put them down. We're going to pray together. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask everyone to pray out loud. Repeat after me so that no one prays alone. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I believe in you. Help me to follow you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer and clap and make some noise? 
Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.